வெல்கம் டு கிரியேட்டிங் வெல் த்ரூ பேசிவ் அப்பார்ட்மெண்ட் இன்வெஸ்டிங் பாட்காஸ்ட் இன் திஸ் ஷோ வி வில் டிஸ்கஸ் அபவுட் பெஸ்ட் அண்ட் வர்ஸ்ட் எக்ஸ்பீரியன்சஸ் அபவுட் பேசிவ் அண்ட் ஆக்டிவ் அப்பார்ட்மெண்ட் இன்வெஸ்டிங் அண்ட் ஐ ஆம் யுவர் ஹோஸ்ட் ராமகிருஷ்ணா லெஸ் பிகின் த ஷோ டுடேஸ் அவர் கெஸ்ட் இஸ் நிக்கோல் கோத்தியார் ஃப்ரம் விக் ஹோல்டிங்ஸ் வெல்கம் நிக்கோல் Thank you so much Rama I'm so happy to be here. Thank you very much. And a little bit about Nicole. Nicole is an active and passive real estate investor and she founded Wicked Holdings with a mission to provide safe, stable and loving homes to those in need. So with it she also offered others the opportunity to grow generational wealth through passively investing in real estate with her team. So with that Nicole uh, you want to add anything to your background? No, I think that pretty much says sums it up. <laughs> cool cool and thank you so would you share your thought process of getting into real estate and multifamily space what is the reason yeah so my reason for kind of getting into real estate was um you know i spent a lot of time this past year kind of reflecting and figuring out what i was truly passionate about uh my background in oil and gas uh as an accountant and so for me you know everything that i've experienced work wise has always been in like the corporate world um but i always felt like there was something kind of missing and entrepreneurship really has um you know filled that gap and for me what brought real estate along was uh the fact that i was always looking at homes on like zillow i was um you know just always there was something to do with like with houses whether it was like interior design that i was trying to learn more about and really uh, felt passionate about um but uh but yeah it all kind of tied tied back into real estate and i wanted to um help people and so with that you know real estate also tied into that as well so that uh so that's kind of led me to to choosing this this niche as you could say great great Thank you. So what what's your investment philosophy, Nicole? Um, let's see, an investment philosophy. Uh honestly, I, you know, I really look at investing as not only, you know, a tool for those to grow their own wealth within their families and um but I really think that, you know, it's important to all bring others along for the ride with you. and if i can provide you know passive investing opportunities or other wealth generation um tools to be able to like um you know just help other people in their mission of financial freedom and that time freedom then that's really what i stand for just helping others got it so would you share any of your breakthrough moments in real estate space nicole see breakthrough moments um i've definitely had a few of those as it relates more on the residential side uh, i've got a project that i'm actively working on currently and um it because it's an older home it's definitely like thrown me for a loop with a lot of like surprises and and different things that um that has has come up that i really wasn't uh expecting and um it's been you know a lot of work but also a huge learning curve for me and yeah so my my breakthrough has really been um a lot of like the lessons that i've learned from from this specific project like uh you know always like overestimating your rehab building in a larger contingency than you think when you're dealing with a certain house that you know is a certain um year like i'm dealing with a 1940s build 
now I know exactly what to look for for future um, future you know houses that I come across that fall within that that year range. So yeah, a lot of my breakthrough moments have come from really just kind of taking this house apart and trying to put it back together again for, for a rental. Got it. So how do you estimate the renovation budget for single family? Would you share like some of your experiences? Um, estimating the rehab, you said? Yes. Yeah. So um, I essentially, I joined a couple of coaching programs this past year. And um, with it, you know, they had different rehab tools, like different estimators, like, for example, a roof could cost you anywhere between four and five thousand dollars. So, um, you know, on average, you're looking at maybe 4,500. Um, they have basically, it's like line by line. And what I did to kind of, um, you know, start off, I guess the, the offer, uh, my offer price was I went through the rehab, uh, template, put in, you know, what I thought quite conservatively. And then I had several contractors go out on site and did the work for me. And then just kind of through experience, I was able to tie it back. And, um, and then of course, you know, once you've got a property under contract and you're doing all of these, um, rehab estimates, you're still under due diligence, which means, of course, that, you know, if your rehab is more than expected and the deal doesn't work, then you can go back and, um, and basically renegotiate the contract for a number that, uh, that does, you know, work, work in line with what you found. So you're, so you're going back to contractor or so whom exactly you're going back? Yeah. So, oh, so going back to the seller. But you, you the already purchased it from, you already purchased it from the seller, right? So then only no. you're doing that renovation. So what, so what I generally like to do when I am, um, you know, estimating these rehabs is I always do that during the due diligence phase. So as soon as I've gotten a property under contract, then I would go out and I would have um, have the property under contract. Then I have my contractors go out one by one. Of course, I don't want to have like all, you know, three or four that are that are all there at the same time. Um, I will, you know, want to be respectful. So then I have them come out and I've got my scope of work, all of the things that I want to have done. And I'll have them advise me, okay, like these are going to be the costs associated with what you want. And we've also got this that's come up, say like foundation is worse than what I had expected. They'll, they'll come in and they'll add that on their bid. And because I'm still in that due diligence phase, then I can go back to the seller and say, Hey, look, you know, I can either go for a seller's concession where I can um, ask them to fix the, the, the problem for me. Or I just take it off of the purchase price. Got it. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for clarifying that. And would you share a little bit more about your passive investing experience? Yeah. So passive investing experience has definitely been a lot easier than my active uh, role in real estate, for sure. Um, currently, right now, uh, I've invested in 148 units out in Mobile, Alabama. It's actually um, kind of cool because it is a portfolio of three separate apartment buildings. Um, two of them are located next to each other. And then one of them is like down the street. Um, but the opportunity in itself has been really awesome in the sense that like even the cash flows on this passive investing opportunity, it's going to start to um, distribute 
this month, which is great because it's actually coming right before my, uh, my even my own single family rentals going to be done completion of uh, construction. Um, but I say that because, you know, my cash flows on this passive investing opportunities, like just it's, it's more than what my single family rental is. And I've done so much less work. Got it. So, so how did you get these passive investing opportunities and how do you evaluate any passive investing opportunity? Yeah. So with passive investing, so with this one, I actually um, knew the sponsor for this specific deal. Uh, we had, you know, been in contact quite a few times and, and engaged with one another on, uh, on LinkedIn, like on each other's posts. We hopped on a couple of actually quite a few calls just to get to know each other better. And um, yeah, we just like hit it off really well as like a, kind of like a, a friend, I guess you could say. And um, so I really, I liked the operator. So I grew to, you know, not only know, but then I liked. And so of course, with all of that tied together, I trusted them. And, um, and then they had this deal that had come up and they presented it to me and I wanted into it. So I said, yeah, you know, give me the details, looked at them, really liked the returns. And um, I loved the, the, the length of the uh, hold on this specific deal. It was a little bit unusual than, than most because typically you're by, your holds are like anywhere between five and seven years. And this was much longer than that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I really, I, I like the returns and I like the operator. So I said, yeah, let's go for it. What other due diligence you performed from your side as a passing minister? So I will say that I read the PPM in, in its entirety, which was several, several pages. I don't even know. Was, I want to say it was like 150 pages or something like that. But I read that from like front to back. Um, I hopped on their webinar. That was, I guess that was probably the first step was hopping on their webinar to really understand like all of the details of the deal. Um, you know, have them walk through like some of the underwriting, uh, the market, who the sponsors were and who they were and like all of their track records. And for all of them, this wasn't like their first rodeo. So I liked that. Um, and then also with, um, with, uh, with the webinar came the, all of the other extra details, the PPMs. Um, I liked the returns. It fit right into the metrics that I was looking for. And uh, yeah, so I was able to vet everyone plus plus the deal itself. Got it. Yeah, thank you. So now you're shifting towards active side. So would you share that experience? Yeah, so I, um, I am newer to the multifamily space in the sense that um, you know, I haven't acquired a ton of units, but, uh, most recently I had, um, co-GP opportunity for 24 units and, um, I was very excited for the opportunity. I will say that, you know, your network is definitely equal to your network. And if you're able to provide value to other people and really like, um, you know, you, you, you push and you stay persistent not only like with within like your team, but just as like your overall individual goals that, you know, you can really excel a lot. Um, I guess you could say quicker than, than expected. Um, 
So yeah, so that's definitely the first of, of many. And I'm really excited to continue on in the journey and keep growing. That's awesome. So how, how did you get that opportunity? Uh, so I knew the sponsors really well. I developed um, a great relationship with, um, with them for um, quite some time. And I reached out to them and I basically asked, you know, how I can provide value, like how, what can I do to help you guys? And um, so I ended up signing up for a 500K challenge, which is the one with Bill Allen. I don't know if you've heard of it, um, but it is a challenge on trying to raise funds. And that one specifically is for more like flipping um, the people that are doing flips and uh, other I guess, um, not really multifamily related. We'll put it that way. So I kind of had to like work, um, work the content and work, uh, the strategy of this, of this challenge in this course to try to apply it to multifamily. And so I began raising capital and was able to provide value in that way. Got it. Thank you. So. So would you share any of your challenging moments or challenging experiences in real estate space? Yeah. So challenging moments. Um, I would definitely say most, actually probably all of my challenging moments have been in the residential side. I can't believe the amount of work that you put into deals that are just so little. And so that in itself was one of the reasons why I really like went, you know, towards the multifamily side. Um, but honestly, all of it's been related to trying to get this deal. I, I went the non-traditional route or I could say very creatively, I purchased it from a wholesaler. And so I didn't just go on to like Zillow.com and find a property and say, yeah, no, that one looks good and, and went for it. Um, I did a lot of direct seller marketing. So driving for dollars, um, posting on Craigslist, uh, postcards, different, different mailers, um, that sort of thing. And so that's also a challenge too, because I feel like you're, you're always like spending money. You're spending, 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 and you're not always like getting anything in return. And so you just have to really remain like super patient and, and trust that like the process will work out. But you just have to like do do it the right way. Got it. Would you share any of your best real estate investing experience so far? Uh, the best real estate investing experience probably was like my passive investing opportunity. Um, that one was I don't know. It's just it's so much easier to be on the other end and have everyone like do all of the work and stuff for you. Um, I would say that the active investing opportunity with the 24 units was like a, a great learning experience and I wouldn't, I, I loved it and I'm, I'm really excited and, um, felt very fortunate to be on that. Um, but it's a lot of work trying to raise capital and be on all of those investor calls and, um, and, you know, constantly just like, uh, I guess it's, it's kind of a grind in a sense. And so um, the best experience has really just been my, my passive investing one where, you know, I went on, I liked what I saw. I liked the person, I liked the operators and uh, the deal felt, fit my metrics. And, um, and that's why, you know, I, I'd say that was my best deal. Awesome. What is your current focus? Share something you're excited about now, Nicole. 
Yeah. So current focus right now is just a lot more broker outreach uh, in um, in my current market. I like to be when I'm based out of Houston, Texas. So um, I'm looking in Houston. I'm looking in San Antonio, uh, Dallas, and Austin. So all of the the main um, metro areas in Texas. Um, and I'll say this. So with the broker outreach trying to, you know, have more deals sent to me so that I can really get uh, more experience underwriting. Um, and I've got a numbers background. So obviously working as an accountant, but my background's in finance. So um, I love numbers. It just, with underwriting, that's like a whole nother beast in itself. And so you really have to, um, it comes with practice. So you just have to underwrite deal after deal after deal to really like trust your numbers. And so that's what I'm focused on right now is, is, um, all of the components of like trying to, uh, you know, be on the active side. So broker outreach, underwriting, um, and, uh, and then once I get to the due diligence part, then of course, uh, going through that phase as well. Cool. Awesome. So any one advice that impacted you and what way? Advice. Let me think. I didn't really have uh, necessarily like a lot of advice that yeah. impacted me, but I would say that the one thing that I've noticed with like every real estate professional that I know that's doing things in the industry is they all are very, we're all very like-minded and we all have a very positive mindset. And I think that like when you crush those like self-limiting beliefs of, oh, it's too big of a deal. I can't do it. Or, um, you know, I, I, I should just go for six units or eight units instead of like the, you know, the 30 or the 40 unit. It's like, there's really no difference. It's just all in your mind. Um, and actually now that I'm saying that I listened to a podcast by Brian Briscoe and he was talking about a conference or a convention that he was at. And he had felt that way early on in his journey that, you know, the six and the eight units really were what he should be focused on, not the hundred units. But then when someone had, I think it was like a coach or someone that was at this event had told him that um, it wasn't about that. Like there's the, the deal is a deal. So, you know, you can't, you just have to look at like money as just a number, not let it, uh, deter you from trying to do bigger things that you are capable of. Got it. Yeah. Cool. So any books that impacted your life and what way? Uh, yeah. So funny enough, um, I would definitely say uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was a book that impacted me only because it really changed my mindset and my perspective on what, um, on what, you know, um, an asset and a liability should actually look like. Um, and it really kind of got me thinking about like past experience with like paying off homes or doing different things that I'm like, Oh man, like we should have done it this way instead. And I know I can't like beat myself up or, or anything about it, but it's all a learning experience, but it gave me a lot of like really new, like valuable and new tools to take forward. Um, and that's what really shifted me towards uh, real estate as well. Um, and then another book that someone recently brought up to me is The Go-Giver. And I haven't, I actually ordered it on Amazon. 
Um, but apparently that one's been um, a huge, huge book for, for a lot of people in a, in a positive way. So I'm excited to give that one a read. Cool. So how are you giving back to community, Nicole? So giving back to the community, um, I'm definitely getting more out in, in the communities that I'm investing in with like my single family um, uh, rentals and my projects. Uh, I focus on inner city Houston, which is um, in the areas that I look in is very distressed community. So I'm trying to get out there and I've been talking to different residents to really find out like what it is that, you know, that they need um, trying to, you know, make an impact on other people means that you need to find out what they want, not guess or you determine what they need, right? Um, and I think that a lot of people forget that when, when they're investing, they just automatically assume, oh, they just want like a, a safe home. Well, maybe they, you know, they want a home that has like wheelchair access, or maybe they want, um, you know, a home that's got, you know, a nice patio because those don't exist in, in the neighborhood. Um, so just different things. Uh, and what I've also been doing is trying to hire some of the residents for different things. So today, um, for example, I had the lawn done on at one of my rentals and I hired someone that lived like around the corner from there and paid him more than probably, um, they usually would get cutting grass. But to me, it's inexpensive based on like where I'm, currently living so I was super super grateful for them and of course they were grateful for me to have been using them and yeah when you invest in in other communities I feel like you should uplift and and rise and help the other people that are in that community rise up with you so I'm working with different residents on just different things like that and hopefully I can give back in a, in a larger way got it thank you so how can listeners can connect with you, Nicole? Yeah, so they can connect with me on LinkedIn under Nicole Gautier, and that's spelled G-A-U-T-H-I-E-R. Or they can head over to my website, which is www.wicked-holdings.com. And they can book a call with me or just learn more about me um, on my site. And uh, I'd say those are probably the two best ways of, um, of getting a hold of me. Cool. And thank you, Nicole. Thanks for sharing your experience on real estate, passive and active investing. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, absolutely, Rama. Thank you so much for having me. It was it was a pleasure for sure. Sure. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.